0: Welcome to another episode of the Richmond Big Tiger Cast. I'm your host, Michael's, and with me tonight we have a very special guest. He played 228 games in total for 23 goals, and 207 of those were with Richmond. Darren Gasper, welcome to the show.
1: Yeah, um, great to join you all, and um, yeah, spend some time on the on the Tiger Cast.
0: That's it. So we love talking about all things Richmond, and it's just great to hear from uh, from some past plays and just hear their story and where they're at now. So we'll start off, I mean, you obviously played for Sydney as well, so we'll obviously include that too because it was a part of your career. Taken number one in the 1993 draft by the Swans, what was that feeling like being taken as the number one pick?
1: Um, Well, I pretty much knew I was going to get drafted number one, so there was no surprises. Um, And at the age of 17, you don't really have a comprehension of how big it is and, um, I remember flying across at the time and going to the draft and it was quite a big event but um, I was quite happy to turn around and go home and I think at the time it was around of the time of schoolies so I went back and had a few a few weeks off after school and yeah it was sort of but it was a bit it was different it was a lot different and I was pretty casual and from WA the hype wasn't that big so um, yeah I didn't really get that caught up in it at all but sure enough once you do, Once I entered the system, that's when I realised how big it was and there was an enormous amount of pressure and there is an enormous amount of pressure on the number one draft pick. Um, Even today, I guess, um, yeah, there's a lot of expectation for those guys that do get picked up number one to actually perform and um, live up to that that tag, even though they don't, you know, do anything to get it. Like Jack Watts, for example, was sort of battled with that tag, I guess. But, um, yeah, so there, there is a fair bit of pressure with it.
0: So, how far out did you know that you were going to go number one?
1: Yeah, fair way. Um, I actually, I actually had a fair few conversations with uh, Richmond, even in, at that time, because I think Richmond had picked number two that year. Yeah. Nine, nine, so, so I got picked by I got picked up by Sydney at number one. I think Richmond had picked two, and they they picked Justin Murphy, but they. I, I had conversations with John North. I think John North came to my house along with Brian Waldron, and, uh, yeah, they said to me that they would pick me if Sydney didn't pick me. But sure enough, Sydney did. Yep. And, and I went to to Sydney, and, uh, yeah, Richmond picked up Justin Murphy at number two. So, um, yeah, but so I, I, I yeah definitely knew I was going to get picked up, yeah, pretty early.
0: I suppose that makes it easier to sort of deal with and prepare yourself for Everything that was going to come your way.
1: Well, it's funny. Like, you, yeah, as it's pretty young. Like as a seventeen-year-old, you've got no idea what's what's ahead of you. And man I'd never, I'd never put a load of washing on, and never, I don't think I'd ever cook cook dinner for myself. And then all of a sudden, you're thrown in the deep end, and I. It's quite funny. I remember. And I'm not joking My first load of washing I washed washed the Sydney Swans tracksuit And I put it in hot And so my tracksuit was pink and white For the rest of the time I was there I was wearing a pink and white (laughs) Yeah Because I washed it in hot water (laughs) But yeah So you're just young I I, I played my first game when I was 17 In Sydney So yeah you're um, just a young kid, but it was all good fun, and like it's quite funny. Like you hear about, you know, these players now wanting to go home and not wanting to leave their home state. I sort of had the opposite view. I was, I saw it as an adventure and to go the other side of the country. So it was very exciting at the time.
0: Just on that, um, I hadn't sort of planned to ask this, but now you've brought it up. With the kids wanting to go home these days, yeah. Uh, I feel like the clubs are losing complete control and they're not getting benefited at all when kids are wanting to leave so early. Is there a fix for that?
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Look, I think it's more of the managers putting a play on trying to get um, top dollar. And they, uh, yeah, I think it's a bad trend. I think it's disappointing. You know, some of these guys need to grow up and... And uh, at some point, you need to leave, your, leave the nest, for example, and experience different things. That's just my view. Um, yeah. I don't know what the fix is for it. Perhaps, um, yeah, I think I think the, the WA teams just need to be clever Be clever about who they pick. If they've got two players exactly the same, one's from WA and one's from Victoria, I think they should just choose the WA player. I I, I don't see the sense in... Choosing an interstate player when they don't have to, um, first and foremost, but then yeah, so that that'll illuminate some of these issues. But then, as for the players always wanting saying they want to go home, I think they it's a big cop out, and they need to grow up. To tell you the truth, but how do you say that? Like, yeah, well, I mean. Political. Politically incorrect, I guess. Right. It is,
0: but like with the way the fixtures are these days, they'll probably end up going home two or three times a year, and I'm sure the clubs will allow them to stay an extra day or go there a day earlier. Um, it's not like you know, it's not like the states where you have to fly. Know, eight or ten hours to get to some places everything's pretty accessible so i agree with you i think they need to sort of harden up a little bit <laughs> yes but you can't say that no uh, no definitely not so heaven forbid anyone tries to speak the truth or sense out there in the very, afl world with the media and all that but
1: in, but in reality there's only like a handful you know, you look at the trade period how many were there that were coming out and saying they wanted to go home or want? you know there's not that many really so i think it sort of gets beaten up a little bit and uh you know, so well Bryce Gibbs wanted to go back to Adelaide, because but he's had a big he, he's done it. He's been in Melbourne for the last what ten years or something yeah, or other. So that's he's right. sort of and same as Danger, and I guess the same with Gary Ablett to an extent. Like Gary Ablett's you know thirty one and he's been up there for seven years, so I can sort of understand that. But it's when the young kids turn around and say they want to go home. That's where I sort of say, oh, hang on, that's a bit ridiculous. So, yeah,
0: and that's where the clubs get burned a little bit because they put their effort into developing these kids, and then all of a sudden they want to jump ship. Absolutely,
1: yeah, absolutely. So,
0: all right. Back to yourself, though. Um, were you always a defender as a kid in your junior days?
1: Yeah, pretty much. I look when I was, I played a fair bit on ball as a as a sort of ruckman or ruck rover, um, you know, sort of through my mid teens, and then um, and then when I went to yeah, I saw yeah, more more, I guess, more midfielder and on ball. Um, and then when I started playing seniors, because I grew up playing in the South Fremantle, so I played senior footy for South Fremantle. And then when I started playing senior footy, I was sort of earmarked marked as sort of centre half-back, half-back, and played in those areas. And then um, once I got into the AFL system, yeah, predominantly played in the back line. And then, yeah, that's how
0: yeah, so you're always pretty comfortable down there, which makes it easier as well. Because it's weird the amount of times you speak to people who are, you know, playing even as a forward potentially, and then they get drafted, and the only spot they can really play in is down back just to fit into the team. And they've got to fully adjust, so.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I sort of. It's. Yeah, I, I remember playing in a, in a waffle game. So I was playing for South Fremantle. I actually played on Tiny Modra, and I was like 16, and I played on Modra, like, even for whatever reason, the. South Romano Waffle, or was it like a pre-season game and they thought, oh, yeah, this kid can play. And so all of a sudden I was like 16 playing on Modra when Modra was in his prime. It's quite Jeez. funny. I'm in a practice game up in Kalgoorlie. So, wow.
0: That, yeah. that was nice of the coach.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm playing, like, in 93, Modra was, like, kicking 10 goals a game and here I was, a 16-year-old playing on Modra. So What do you do to was- stop that? I mean,
0: you seem sort of... Take take the AFL guys to the cleaners, and then you're given the task. How do you try and
1: stop him? I was, I guess, it was. Um, it's a, as much as anything. It's a mindset thing. Um, I think, and you see it with younger players. They can get overawed, and you know when a young kid comes in, they just don't look overawed. I guess, um, yeah, it's definitely a mindset thing. I guess, you know, the competitive nature kicks in and you just work your way through the situation, whereas some some younger players, you see them, they get overawed with the situation and they do things that they wouldn't normally do yep. in, when they're playing football at the lower levels. So I guess I was sort of had a level head to be able to adjust and deal with the situation. So.
0: And you played 21 games with the Swans before coming across to Richmond in the 96 pre-season draft. What were yep. the reasons for wanting to change clubs early on in your career?
1: Yeah, so what happened? So I'd had two years in Sydney, and like I said earlier, I actually was close to coming to Richmond, or I actually put my hand up to want to come to Richmond when I first got drafted, but and that didn't work out. And then, and then, luckily enough, well, as it turned out, so Sydney took Stuart Maxfield in a preseason draft concession that they had, which gave Richmond a return draft pick. I think it was number two or three in the preseason draft, and so. Sure enough, so I spoke to Robert Walls at the time and Brian Waldron once again and we talked about me moving to Sydney via the draft and we knew that Melbourne wouldn't pick me up because of the way it worked out and uh, I said, you know what, I'd been, I'd just been offered a, uh, I think Sydney offered me a pretty ordinary contract at the time so I said, you know what, I've always wanted to go to Melbourne, always wanted to play for Richmond, big club, so I just, on a whim, just said, you know what? Yep, let's do it. And uh as it turned out, it uh it all worked out and I was able to get to Richmond via the draft. So yeah.
0: was uh, Robert Walls a pretty big influence on all that it just from everything I sort of read and heard from when it all happened, it seemed like he was a pretty big influence and factor, even from the club perspective in getting you across.
1: Yeah he was. Yeah, he was, definitely. I think um yeah, uh, Wolsey, I think I played a couple. Of, or I think I played a couple of good games against Brisbane when he was coach of Brisbane. So he got to see me firsthand as a coach, and and then um, yeah, he had a fair bit to do to get me there. And so did Wally, Brian Waldron. Like I said, Brian Waldron. Uh, we had a pretty good relationship when I first got drafted to Sydney because they were they were talking to me then. So they, I knew him pretty well, and they knew my family and everything. So um, I guess they knew what they what they were getting when they um, were trying to get me. So, Wally, Ryan Walgen and um, Robert Walls were both influential.
0: And how long after you were selected by Richmond did it take to make the move down to, to Melbourne from Sydney?
1: Oh, pretty quick. Um, mate, it would have been... it. Yeah, I can't remember the timeline exactly, but it, it, it all felt like it was in the space of a couple of weeks, really. Like, it all just really happened quickly. So, from the time that I made the decision um, to the time to going... Um, I moved down, and I think I moved down before the draft and i was i remember I remember training with Kevin Morris because kevin Kevin was the assistant coach, and I remember yeah, training with him in some secret location because i wasn't meant to be training with anyone prior to the draft
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> but I, was, I remember running around in these obscure parks with Kevin doing some handball drills and training on the quiet before I got drafted, so but, uh, yeah, so it all happened pretty quickly. And, uh, yeah, before I knew it, I was yeah lining up in my first game against Jason Dunstall at Waverley was my first game. And uh, I was playing against Hawthorne. So. What,
0: a, what a baptism of fire that is. <laughs> I think <laughs> yeah. you also had, um, you had Tony Lockett as well pretty early on in your time us yeah, yeah. too, didn't you?
1: I remember. So, so I played the pre-season games and then... Missed the first game of the year because I had a slight hamstring. So we played Essendon in round one at the MCG, and I think Richo kicked seven or eight goals in that game. But then game two, we played Hawthorne at Waverley, and yeah, I played. I lined up on Dunstall, and Dunstall had a pretty good game actually. Dunstall only kicked, I think, he kicked two goals, and we won the game, which was good. And then round the round three, we went to Brisbane, I'm pretty sure. And then round four, I played on. Tony, I played against the Swans and I was all of a sudden lining up on Tony Lockett. So, what was that was, like? Did
0: he, I mean, he obviously had a, a bit of a hot head. Did he say anything to you or was he just a bit
1: He didn't say much. I had, a, I had a really good first half. I, like I, was, I was on fire in the first half and I think he'd kicked one goal up to half time. And then uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he got a good old fashioned bake by Rocket E at half time and then after half time he was a different person and the first time I went for the ball I just copped one in the back of the head and I reckon I played the rest of the game in with concussion. If you did the concussion test now, you just I wouldn't have passed, no way. And I think Plugger got on top of me in the second half, partly because he knocked me out <laughs> the first contest. So I was like my timing was all out. But uh, yeah so it was a it was a pretty good game. I had a good game but then I think they ended up winning. But yeah it was a it was a good experience. So Plugger because uh, like, I sort of had the benefit of actually, you know, being a teammate with him. So I knew what he was like, knew his movements. So I sort of had a bit of an advantage, I guess. But um, nothing can prepare you for when Plugger got really angry because he was a fierce competitor and uh, unlike any other that I'd ever experienced. And well, I guess, yeah, on the return trip with Dunstool, when I played him later in the year, I saw the same... I saw the same angry sort of person with Dunstall as well. So. I was
0: about to ask, leading into those games, how do you pre- like prepare and plan yourself to take on guys like that? It just must be somewhat daunting.
1: You just got to. It becomes. It, be, it's, it becomes a game of um, percentages. Like you got to play the percentages. You got to say, well, you know, if I do ninety-five percent of the things right which you know yeah so you sort of break it down and you can't get too overawed with their history or what they've done in the past that all always comes into it but then it kicks you into going back to your processes just to making sure you know you do the right things get in the right positions and sure enough like if you work through it you can sort of you know, you back yourself. Like I was always reasonably confident with my physical ability. It comes down to mental because, you know, when you're playing on those gun full forwards, it's all about timing and leading. And, you know, plug is not that quick, but he's quick to make movements and his first steps that is qu- really quick. So you got to be right on with every step that they take. So it's just a game of concentration and playing the percentages. So
0: and even though they were noted goal kickers You kicked 23 yourself But the one I want to talk to you about is Round 17, 1998 versus Geelong Pouring rain We yeah. uh, had a quick counter attack And you ended up in the forward line And the ball was gone across the face of goal And you chased the Geelong play And you kicked it out of bounds on the full You're standing there in the forward pocket And you got, got called to play on And you just casually snapped a banana for a goal um, <laughs> What was going yeah. through your mind there? Well, that was a great goal
1: it was a good goal, yeah. I actually kicked two goals that game. I was playing, um, I think I had like six or seven possessions, two goals. So I, always, I always tried to run down the ground to take my man out of position. And, and once he got past halfway, it was always, I always had the idea of well, game on, How much chance to get a goal here because, and then uh, that one in particular, it just kept on going further and further. And, and I think I was on Barnes and then I sort of knocked it back. He kicked it out and then, um, I sort of went to do the fake pass on the inside. There was no way I was going to pass it, and then I just threw it on the boot. And yeah, sure enough, it went straight through in front of a big crowd and on really on a really wet day. I think the final, we only kicked about eight goals for the game. So. Yeah, it was really
0: low scoring, and it was a pretty casual celebration. I thought you might have gotten up and about for
1: that one. <laughs> I guess you're not. I'm just not. You're just not used to it. I didn't know what to do really. I um, yeah. You sort of. Uh, yeah you're just not used to doing the celebration and <laughs> and, then you, and then the other thing you've got to run so far back so i'm like oh shit i can't sit here sorry for the language you can't sit here and celebrate it's not like you're a fool where you can just run around and celebrate you gotta go oh, i've got to get all the way back to my position which was at yeah. the time it's full back so i've got to start get on my bike here so
0: no time to celebrate <laughs>
1: no, exactly yeah exactly you should
0: have just sent one of the fords down there and said no nah, i've got it <laughs> down here boys <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, like I said, I I ended up doing the same thing. I kicked another one from a free kick later in that... I think it was, I don't know, later in that game. So that was probably my highest scoring game. When you have
0: moments like that, do you ever think, just to say to the coach, maybe chuck me down here a bit more and this is what I'll give you?
1: No, it was a funny one. I actually really enjoyed kicking goals on you forward. So I remember, you know, because it's like a little challenge. During a game, you don't get many... You know, as a fullback, you don't get many wins. Like you know, you can punch the ball out, and you know you get a little you get a little cheer from the crowd. But it's nothing compared to your your full forward kicking a bag of goals. So when you get one back on them, it's it, it's really rewarding. So um, I, I used to always try and yeah. Get down there to try and get a goal, and when you do get them, it was uh, it, it was a real sense of achievement. Yeah, absolutely. It's so hard to do it, like to get down there and score a goal on a gun forward. You just don't get those opportunities very often. So no. when, when you did do it, it was quite good. I, yeah, right. I, I got a, I got a few on on Carey and a few on Grant, and those those goals I will never forget them because yeah, they it's just so hard to get them off you know get down there drag them into the forward line turn around take a mark or get in a position to get the goal so when you do get them it's yeah it is lots of fun
0: yeah so Alex Rance tried the same thing this year I think it was against Fremantle he just drifted down there and nailed one from 45 so yeah um, yeah. it's good good to see it uh in 2000 and 2001 you had a pretty good year so being selected all Australian in both years is that something you must be extremely proud of all Australian that's huge
1: yeah, no, I had. Um, they were good years. Um, I reckon I was pretty unlucky in '98 to tell you the truth. And even '97, I look at it and I go, oh, some of the guys they got back got picked in that side. I was, I was at the time I was pretty up. I was, God, I was pretty frustrating. So then finally to get it in 2000 and 2001, yeah, it was it was good. I was pretty happy with it because it's sort of like recognition of your, your year. And in 2000, I only I think I had a. I had a broken cheekbone. I had a couple of other injuries. Only played like sixteen games, but I had a pretty good year at the same time. So,
0: and two thousand and one was even better again because you, of course, won the Jack Dyer Medal. Um, that must have been something you maybe not expected when you started out as a junior that you're ever going to win a club best and fairest. What What was that night
1: like for you? Oh yeah, it was good. Um, it was at the time I remember it clearly. Well, it was it was a double edged sword. I, um, we'd lost the prelim a couple of weeks or about a week earlier. We had a heap of retirements. And uh, so whilst it was exciting to win the Jackdaw Medal, it was sort of a frustrating time because we just missed out on making the grand final, um, having lost to Brisbane in Brisbane. So whilst it was good having the individual honour, it was at the same time, it was really frustrating having lost that prelim because we had a pretty strong side that year and we were pretty competitive. But yeah, personally, it was one of those things. It was good to win it, especially because in 2000, I just missed out to Andy Callaway. And uh, like I said, I played like six, I think 16 or 17 games and came second. And so to follow up the next year and win it, it was quite good.
0: And speaking of the final series in 2001, the semi-final win against Carlton was, was huge for the club. What do you remember about that game and what was the feeling like after the siren within the group?
1: Yeah, that was – it's funny the memories you have, but that was the week of September 11. So it's funny. I just remember – I remember Danny Frawley's speech, I think on the Tuesday – when September 11 was on the Monday night, Matty Lloyd had headbutted me in the qualifying final, So I went to the – I'd been to the um, Tribunal the night before. Maddie Lloyd got one week, and, and I was like, you know, and finals was massive, and it was the first time Richard had been in the finals for a while, so the build-up, and so the first final we'd lost, and, the, the, you know, you just got caught up in it. And then September 11 happened on the Monday night, and then everything changed. The whole final series and the atmosphere was totally different because the world had changed on that night, and you can imagine... And so going into the game was just the most surreal feeling. Um, going in, knowing, yeah, this game's really important, but after seeing what we'd just seen and the week that was, it sort of doesn't feel the same. Yeah. Albeit on game day, you kicked in and and, and you realised that this is actually happening now, we've got to play. But um, the game itself wasn't a great game. Um, when you look back at it, it was really windy and blustery conditions. But we had a pretty good side and we and we had some good players and we probably had more better players than, than they did. And we deserved to win when you look at the results. But, um, yeah, and even after the game, the celebrations w- weren't that big, I remember, because, yeah, it was just a really weird time in history in the world yeah, because of so much uncertainty. So um, a lot different than this year when Richmond got in for those people that, that I can remember it. so Yeah,
0: and someone actually mentioned to me, I, wanted me to, I was a bit hesitant to ask the question because of 9-11 being what it is, but just to ask you just the fact that on one side of the Herald Sun, there was a photo of, I think it was you and Lloydie with the whole tribunal thing and on the other page. It's the world's, you know, in complete yeah. shock with 9-11. Like, you couldn't have two further things if you tried. Like, it's just, it was amazing.
1: Yeah, well, that's it. Yeah, and like, even trying to, um, I, I, like, everyone that everyone at work, and footy was our work, trying to go to work the next day and training, and it was just, it was surreal. Yeah, you do it, you go. You get on the train tracks and you just train hard and do those things, but then once you finish training, once you finish work, you go back to the media and watching all what's happening around the world, and it was very surreal. So, yeah.
0: that was a terrible time in the world. Um, you retired in round five of 2007, and I'm pretty... Sure, pretty controversial circumstances to say the least. What happened uh, with that chat with Terry Wallace?
1: Oh, it was like, it was just weird. Like we um we'd lost the first five games. I'd been okay. I hadn't. I think I played. I'd, I'd played every game up until then. I'd had a couple of good games. I, I yeah. I played a couple of games before. I played on Barry Hall and had a good game. And so I was, and I I'm pretty like I'm always my own. Um, most harshest judge and then so we lost the first five games and terry basically said he wanted to play a lot of the kids and give the kids a lot more chances and said on that basis that he, i wasn't going to be picked at all for the remainder of the year so um i was like well you know what i've trained all year no I trained all pre-season i'm prepped for a season i'm i actually want to play i can't yeah. and 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 I, and I sort of, di- and I definitely disagreed with the um, the path the club was taking because whilst we had some young kids, I didn't think it was in their best interest to be thrown in the deep end. I think that they could have done it better and have. If, if he turned around and said to me, "Yeah, we're going to use you and use you know, play you some games, but then we want you to coach these guys through and play with them and 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 have a transition," that made sense. It's sort of what what. Um, what, what the good clubs do but it was going to be a clean cut I basically wasn't going to play and I was just going to play reserves and I thought well that's, what's the point I'm not going to sit there and play reserves you need pressure for spots to have successful teams so I totally disagreed with the path that the club was taking under the coach side so I just said well it's best that I stop playing altogether so, yeah,
0: what you said spot on. A mental program would have been perfect because yeah, chucking the kids in the deep end, they're just going to get torn apart. Um, so it is a bit disappointing they didn't go down that path. And I know I know that a lot of people were shocked that that's how it unfolded, um, which obviously led to the retirement. So was yeah, there right. any thoughts of trying to go on to another list to continue your career? Oh,
1: I'm not. No, nah, not really. I, and I, yeah, I spoke to my manager about that, and I was probably, yeah. I was probably a bit jaded by at at that stage, and I, you know, I wasn't interested in going and playing because I genuinely loved the club. Like, and I know it might sound ridiculous in this day and age, but I actually love the fact that I played. A, you know, I'm a life member of the club, and I and I love the club. And so, the idea of going and playing with another club, I it, it just didn't interest me. Um, yeah, I could have potentially played another year or two, but. At the end of it all, I would be, you know, it just wouldn't feel the same. So I was quite happy to say, you know what, I've had a good run, and if this is it, that's it. And I was quite happy to pull up stumps there and then.
0: Fair enough. And obviously, during your time at the club, you played with some great players. Who, in your opinion, was the best Richmond player you played with?
1: Yeah, that's a tough call. At different times, different players were on the top of their game. So, you know, people automatically go to a Matthew Richardson, but. I would say, you know, Leon Cameron was fantastic. Duncan Calloway was unbelievable when he was on top of his game and he was one player that um, was, you know, injured at the wrong time. Wayne Campbell was unbelievable at different stages of his career. Um, Nick Daffy in in 98 was, you know, a gun and he did some amazing things in his work rate. And Paul Broderick in 96 was, you know, one of the premier midfielders in the competition and won won the BNF. So a different stages, yeah, there was different players that really stood out, so um, and yeah, it's really even Brad Ottens at different stages was awesome so um, it's hard to say any one player, like Nathan Brown the other one he had a sort of a six before he did his um, leg he was unbelievable, you know I remember he kicked six goals, or five goals in the last quarter in a game against Collingwood at the G, correct me if I'm wrong, on, he was playing on James Clement at the time and James Clement was like one of the premier defenders in the competition and Brownie tore him to shreds, he'd love me telling this story but um, <laughs> yeah, so at different stages, players are in their prime um, and you know, Richo in 90, 96, when he, I think he kicked 91 goals, 91 goals and he played as a half forward, that was phenomenal. It's unbelievable. And, yeah, ninety six and ninety nine. Richo was probably at the top of his game. That's the best off. So I know he had a good year when he came third in the Brownlow, but I, I would have thought the ninety six year and the ninety nine year he was he was uh, you know when Richo it was Richo, Carey and Grant. I remember they were the three players that you know will be on the you know people will comparing those three and saying which ones the which ones the best. So um, and I'm, yeah, thank so you
0: flip side of the coin, the best forward you've played on. You obviously played on quite a few. Um, who was the toughest one you come up against?
1: Oh, same again. It's really hard to pick one because uh, Matty, Matty Lloyd, he was fantastic but it's really hard to play on Matty Lloyd when you, when you when your side's getting pumped. Like, when the ball's coming out of the middle in some games and it's laced out on his chest, it's really hard to stop. Um, so, but he was a really good player. Kerry was good. I had a pretty good record on Kerry, so I'd never really... Saw, so I never really got towered up by him. Um, uh, Dunstall, so I played on Dunstall twice. The first game I had a pretty good game. The second game he got a hold of me. He kicked five goals up till halftime and then got injured. And he was unbelievable. I couldn't do anything to stop him. He was just pure strength. But in saying that, I was pretty young, so only, I, it was my first season as a full four, as a fullback. But um, he was he was unbelievable. Plugger. Yeah, really hard to play on. Kerry, obviously, I mentioned. Who else was there? Well, Chris Grant, he he was tricky because he had all the tricks, super skillful. I I only met Grant, he wasn't that fit. So I I guess, yeah, I I always sort of back my fitness. So I could sort of, once I, if I could stay with him, I I could sort of, Grant, I found that he probably would hate me saying it, but I didn't think he was that fit. So I could sort of run with him most of the day. Richo was Richard was up there because I always, always um, I'd always have Richo in the training drills, so he was always tricky, um, just because he's so tall. Corey McKernan when he won the when he won the Brown or oh, he missed out on the Brownlow in '96, he was unbelievable. He was one of the hardest players actually. When in '96 when he when he did he missed out on the Brownlow, he was very difficult to match up on because he was so tall and he was fit and he could run and he did it all. So. Um, yeah, so there's there's obviously a fair few players that come into that mix.
0: And for any upcoming defenders out there, what kind of advice would you give to someone playing in the fullback role to give themselves the best chance of stopping a key forward?
1: Uh, I always say, I always say, to, so I do, Yeah, I always say to young kids, you got to be able to keep your eye on the ball, keep your eye on the man, keep your eye on the space, and so those three things that covers all bases. If you can, and if you if you can do all those things, and get into a position where you can continuously do those things, you're basically you're giving yourself the best chance of success. Because yeah, if you can see your man, you know where that is. If you know where the ball is, you know where the man's going to. You know where your man's going to lead to, and if you know where the space is, well, that's where new man's going to lead to as well. So you can sort of, and then if you know where the space is. And you know where the ball is and we get the ball, well, then you can run into the space. So it's sort of it's sort of like a triangle that works to help you solve those decisions as a key defender.
0: A very sound advice. Uh, and since you've retired, what have you been up to these days with work and all that kind of stuff?
1: Yeah, so after I retired, um, I had twin girls and we moved back to Perth. And so I've been living in Perth. Um, I do do um, radio for SEN. I've been lucky enough to do special comments for the SEN games in Perth for the last sort of seven or eight years. Work with a great team over here. Tim Gossich is the main caller. Brett Phillips or or whoever they fly for SEN. So that's been good. And I, for my my um, full time occupation, I'm actually a financial advisor and. So I work for myself and, uh, yeah, a financial advisor looking after clients and helping them manage their yeah, financial affairs.
0: And I suppose to do that, obviously, a bit of studying would have come into it. Was that all studied while you were playing or did that all happen post-footy?
1: Yeah, so I studied whilst I was playing. One thing I found when I was a afl player is that they the afl players get really good opportunities to do a lot of study and i sort of said to myself well with this free time i've got to make the most of it and i've actually found i played better footy when i did study so i completed degrees and then went on to do postgraduate studies and then um when i finished playing i was fully qualified from a study point of view but actual practical I hadn't done much practical work, but I'd completed all the um, yeah, qualifications to be able to step into a role. So,
0: And onto the Tigers of this year, what did you make of the season? I mean, at the start of the year, did you ever think they were a chance to go all the way?
1: Well, you know what? I, I was bitterly disappointed last year because I, I, I do believe they've got a good mix of um, senior players and young players coming through. So last year was really surprising, And I guess a lot of that frustration came out with supporters and, you know, anger at the end of the year and whatnot. Um, So, yeah, I did. I I actually, yeah, I've expected them to do really well. You know, they they lost those finals, those three finals. Every one of those years, I thought they've got the capacity to go all the way. I know the media do their best to bag Richmond and say they're no good and, you know, all this crap about – but the reality is – in those three years, they had the team to go all the way. They, they really did. And nothing changed between now and then. I, I, yeah, they, they got the, the, um, obviously a couple of, Icati and Prestia and Ankervis, uh, the big those, those three, but I still believe they had a good side those three years. They were unlucky, didn't go their way. And then things, they, they did go their way this year. And, uh, and sure enough, with a bit of luck, the side didn't get too many injuries or n- no injuries at all. And they just played a hard brand of footy, and uh, so even even the, after watching the first final well, all year, when you looked at the way they played and their, their intensity, and they just had so many things going for them. And the media, for whatever reason, try and do their best to downplay the Richmond performances. Well, when you look at the whole year, we, we you know those close games that Richmond lost. If we'd won them, we would have been on top by a mile, you know? So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't think um, people should be surprised by the result at all. And when, even when people talk about, oh, yeah, Richmond, they come out from 11th, well, you've got to remember, this Richmond side lost those f- three finals, but we still won 15 or 16 games for the year. So we've had a good side for a long time, and uh, we haven't come out of nowhere. We've actually had a really good side. The fact is we've lost those finals, and... Um, for whatever reason, but with with a couple of small changes, the side was able to put it together on the on the park in the in the final series, and and sure enough, history speaks for itself. Now, after the, the big wins, so. yeah,
0: I mean, last year f- for me was just one of those really weird years, and you could tell it just nothing was working for them. And I mean, I think a lot of people knew that we would never play like that again. It, it just it couldn't happen. And then yeah, this year they come out and. And did what they did, and I think there's a bit of an ongoing joke with a lot of supporters that uh, apparently we still haven't beaten anyone good, according to opposition Uh, people and media. (laughs) Well,
1: that's it. It's like, how long is it going to take before people take the club? I don't. Doesn't bother me because, uh, and I'm sure it doesn't bother the players either. Because the reality is, they've now won a premiership and they've got a pretty good team going forward, and um, I think they're going to be in a good. They should really be in, in a, you know. A a strong position for the next couple of years at least
0: Yeah, definitely And the grand final day itself A few people have said they saw you in the crowd Enjoying it What was that day like for you?
1: Oh, it was fantastic I actually came across for the prelim um, game as well Which was awesome Um, Prelim, we went to the London Tavern beforehand Caught up with a few past players And then enjoyed the game And then grand final day Stayed with um, um, really good friends That that i live with when i was in melbourne when i first came to richmond i've kept kept in touch with them and we stayed with him again and then you know going into i think i went to the, oh, I can't remember, one of the pubs on, on in richmond before the game and then had the had my two children and my wife and just to walk over and walk to the g on on and to see all the richmond colors on grand final day was just magnificent really and then it's amazing the amount of people that you bump into I guess after being at the club For so long for 12 or so years You just you, you do you, you do build a lot of strong relationships And then going into the game I just remember Bumping into you know every 10 steps you would bump into a Trainer or an ex-player Or you know a masseur Or, or an administrator you just Saw a lot of people that you hadn't Seen for a long time and that you Otherwise wouldn't probably ever see again Other, other than a big event like that So Going into the game was magnificent. Sitting at the game, I I saw a lot of past players where I was sitting, so it was good to see all them. And then just to have that whole experience with my two girls and my wife, that was, was awesome. And for the club to do what it did on the day, it was brilliant when, on the flip side, it would have been a nightmare if they'd lost, you know what I mean? So... During the game, it was a sense of relief that they did what they did. Um, people asked me, oh, did you cry when, when the result went your way? I, I always responded "Yeah, I would have cried if they'd lost, but I was I was just genuinely that happy yep. for the club to do well and to play the way they did. Um,
0: and what was the, the point during the game where you realised we had it won?
1: I think at half-time, a few people were coming up to me saying, oh, um, you know, what's going to happen? And I was reasonably confident saying to the people that would smash him after half time. <laughs> so i was yeah i was maybe getting a bit ahead of myself but i said yeah we'll smash him from here on in but you know there's always that element deep down inside where you go geez the game does turn pretty quickly and it can turn but when you look at the replays we were all over them before halftime and sure enough after half time it was game over and it was game over pretty quickly
0: yeah, and the players have obviously had that belief the whole final series. I think Brandon Ellis said after the Geelong game that they knew they were going to be able to grind him down and run all over the top of him. They just really yeah. backed themselves in and believed that they had everything it took to, to beat those teams.
1: Oh, yeah. they, they every, every player on the field for Richmond had a red-hot go, which is the minimum that you'd expect. And it just seemed that Adelaide didn't have that. They had a few players that just, I don't know, they just didn't want to... Uh, yeah, maybe they didn't have the greatest preparation or lead into the grand final with their lead-up games, whereas the Richmond leading games were just hard and contested. Whereas the Adelaide game, especially the Ge- Geelong prelim, it was just a soft game and they just got it on their own terms probably too easy in, in their build-ups and, uh, and they probably played that way in the grand final, whereas Richmond didn't give them a chance and sure enough, the, uh, the result went our way.
0: And what did you make of the the national anthem stance by the Crows boys?
1: I think it was ridiculous. I think it was. <laughs> I think it was laughable. I love. I loved the, some of the comedy. What they call the Power Rangers yeah. stance? Yep. It was, just, it was embarrassing. I was like, what the port? I, I was sort of. I was thinking, oh, it'd be quite funny if one of the players just stood there, like, got I know I know you know, just an Alex just stood there. What were they going to do? Were they, would they just stand there? It was like... Oh, apparently. Are they going to, are they, are they going to do it during the year now? Or, oh, yeah, if they did do it during the year going forward, well, what they should do is just leave a player standing there.
0: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Everyone else go, go to your positions, warm up, and
1: oh, they can stand I think there. I think those kinds of things, yeah, if you're worried about that to make an impact, you, you're probably losing sight of what's really important. You know what I mean? Like... You know, something's not quite right If they think that's going to make a difference
0: Yeah, exactly Um, Who would you have picked for the Norm Smith medal? Yeah, I
1: had um, Yeah, Shane I had Shane Woods actually I thought he was probably When the game was on the line He was really good And made a big impact on the outcome In that first half So I had him ahead of Dusty Dusty did really well obviously But then when you look at the the contested ball that he won and the impact that he had. So it was a fine line. I had Dusty and, and Shane Edwards probably neck and neck.
0: Okay. The other one I had up there was um, Bashir Hooley. I thought he, was, he yeah. was huge in the first half as well. But t- to be fair, the whole lot of them were huge for the whole game.
1: <laughs> yep. Yep. No, no doubt about that. Um, and
0: before we go, we've got one last one. It's a question from one of the listeners. Uh, so it was Tiger Man two as the user. So he wants to know which was better: playing your first AFL game or winning the two thousand and six Group One Australian Cup with a sixty to one bolter, Roman Arch.
1: <laughs> yeah, very different, very different experiences uh, with with playing AFL and playing your first game as the number one draft pick. You've just got a lot of expectations. So there's a lot of pressure, um, and a bit, it's a bit like that. Maybe every player has that. Well, well, I wouldn't say every player. I had a lot of expectation on myself to perform. But then Roman Arch, what a memorable experience. And partly because we were in Brisbane playing a pre-season game. I'm not sure why, but we played Sydney in the Gold Coast. And so we were up in Brisbane, and that was the Australia Cup day. So we were about to head off to a night game. And I remember the whole team, we watched the race. In the foyer of the Stanford Plaza Hotel before we went off to the game, and it was the most one of the most memorable things to see the horse do what it did and win that race when, when I gave it absolutely no chance, absolutely no chance. The last three races because I'd only owned this horse, I, I didn't know anything about horse racing, and I'd gone into this horse with a few mates not involved with footy, and it the, the three races leading up to that. Race it came last, last and second last, so the expectation was next to nil, and, the, and that's the reason why I was playing sixty-one dollars, and for it to come out and do what it did, yeah, it was one of the most memorable experiences of my life. And you know, I've, I can say that I've been involved with a Group One winner. <laughs> I've only ever owned one racecourse racehorse, and yeah, and anyone involved in uh, horse racing, they just know how unbelievably lucky that that is, and I, I, I appreciate that.
0: That's amazing! What a feeling that would have been, uh, with the odds it was at. So you don't have to try and do it again. You've done it once,
1: and, and that's it. Exactly. Yeah, and uh, I've often been asked to get involved in another another horse, and I've just said no. I just can't do it, just because I just it would just be a letdown. But and I, I was I was really lucky with Rome, and I we was really lucky. It went on to you know do really well. It came. I came third in the Blamey. year, went up to Brisbane, came third in the Brisbane Cup. It, it ran on Caulfield Cup Day. It ran on McKinnon in the McKinnon Stakes. It came fifth in McKinnon. So it just went on and it just was such a good, fun experience and there's just no pressure on it. Whereas playing footy, there's just a lot of pressure. And you've yeah. got to deal with it. The best thing about footy is you, those moments during the game when you know the game's over and after the first five minutes after the game otherwise the rest of it is all just pressure and stressful so
0: yep. oh, Darren thank you so much for coming I really appreciate your time and your insights into your playing career and, and everything with life after footy uh, wish you all the best and thanks for coming on again
1: no worries no I'm uh, always happy to uh, yeah to have a chat about Richmond and yeah because I love the club and great to uh, have experienced the Richmond Premiership this year and to all those Richmond members and supporters, I'm sure you all enjoyed it as well. And yeah, and I, I know you said before we got on that a lot of Richmond supporters saw me during the game, and you know it was just fantastic to have you know a lot of those people come up and have a chat. And yeah, it was yeah, it was a great experience.
0: Uh, it's good to hear, mate. I'll oh, thank you once again, and um, yeah, hopeful to see you around the club a bit more often as the years go on.
1: Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Okay, Thanks, mate. No worries.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of the Richmond Bigfootie Tiger cast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and YouTube so you can follow all the roast and toast, the reviews and previews, and all topics, for Richmond. Also, keep an ear out for our special episodes of interviews with past players. Go, Tigers!